Welcome to Freedom Slave Podcast, where fempreneurs, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs come to fast track their success. If you're a millennial girl boss, listen, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the goods, because every week you're going to get the tools that you need to slay your business goals to create a life of time and financial freedom. I'm Ganette Jones, your host and Freedom Slayer in charge here. Let's begin. Hey, hey, have you ever felt like money was avoiding you? Or maybe that you're doing everything right but still can't make the type of money you desire. Or possibly being rich feels icky to you. Or you just believe you deserve the wealth and you've gotten some funds sometimes, but maybe you haven't figured out a way to keep those funds you receive. If so, today's episode is going to be a treat because we're diving into all things money mindset, wealth alignment, and conscious investment with my special guest and friend, Suzanne Khan, or as my daughter calls her, Susu. Sue is a mother, a wife, and a boss lady serial entrepreneur. My girl has real estate, a service-based business, investments, as she invests in other businesses, she has retail, e-commerce, all the things. But what makes Sue super special though, what makes her unique is that she studies all aspects of wellness, mind, body, and spirit balance, and is a self-proclaimed modern minimalist. Four years ago, she left her position at a world's leading investment manager where she was on a team managing $10 billion in assets. She sold all the things that were weighing her down and embarked upon a personal and professional journey to redesign her life on her terms. Today, she's the owner of Sarah Kay Consulting, a consultant firm focused on wellness practices, events, policies, and naked zero lifestyle, a modern guide for living consciously, mind, body, and earth. Her purpose and passion is built on helping others and using her experience to help others redesign their life and finding their balance. So without further ado, let's dive in and chat with Sue, all things money. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Sue, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. I know it's been a long time coming. I'm so excited. Yay. And I know you have an awesome freaking story. Can you share a little bit about who you are, what you do, why you quit that high profile job? That's one of my favorite pieces <laughs> of the story. And like how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I just finished watching um, Becoming from Michelle Obama on Netflix and she used so much terminology that I resonated with. Like she called herself a box checker. And I was like, that's exactly what I was doing. So like I graduated from college. I got a full, well, I graduated from high school, got a full scholarship to go to college, went, studied finance because, you know, from Bermuda, that's what you do. You get a finance degree, you come back, you work in the private sector with hopes of making a lot of money so that you can live on the expensive island. I got married. I had kids. I had an amazing job. I worked at an investment manager. I started as just a portfolio analyst and then worked my way up from portfolio analyst to being on the portfolio management team where we managed $10 billion under management. So it was a very quick trajectory for me. Like I started and things just happened so fast. When I first joined the company, they were in startup mode and like within a few years, we were this huge force within the market. And during that time, I had two children. I got married. We bought a house. We bought our car together. And I got to this point where I was just so overwhelmed with just the demands of life, the demands of society. Um, I just felt like I had gone through this 
path of box checking, like get the good job, graduate with honors, get married, all of those things. And I felt like I was doing the right thing, but I was just living on default. And I got to this point where I was like, you know what, there's more to life than this. There's more to life than living the same day over and over, waking up, going into the office, driving the same path to work every day, knocking off at the same time. Like there just had to be more. And I didn't feel like I was using my passions. And for a while, I didn't even know what my passions and purpose was because I was just doing what we all are told to do and what felt like the right thing to do. So I decided like, okay, it's time for me to take life and matters into my own hands. And I put in my resignation. They did not accept it. Uh, I wait, 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 wait. How do you not ex- listen? I'm giving yeah. you something. What do you mean you're not accepting my yeah, resignation? They, they didn't. They were like, you know, what do you what do you need from us? And they were, honestly, they were amazing people. Like the company is so amazing. And at that time, I didn't realize it was more me than it was them. But I was just like, I'm so overwhelmed. Like I, I don't even know what to do. I'm not happy with where my career is going because I don't feel like I'm using my passion and purpose. But I didn't really know how to articulate it. I just knew I wasn't like in alignment with who I was meant to be and what I was meant to do. So I resigned, they talked me out of it. (laughs) And I decided to stay a little bit longer. But ultimately, I decided I needed to move on. So I handed in my resignation. And I didn't really have a very clear plan. But I knew that I was going to embark on this journey of like finding myself and infusing my purpose into whatever it was that I decided to do. And I just went through this like minimalist journey where I was getting rid of anything that wasn't aligned with my bigger purpose and rebuilding my life on purpose and with intention and just being conscious about each move I made and how it contributed to the bigger picture. And I just wanted to be more present in my journey, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this could resonate with it, especially feeling like they were the box checker. And by the way, I actually wrote down Michelle Obama becoming. I've heard about this three times today alone. It's so, I'm like, so good. And I read the book and I love the book. So I'm like, I need to watch this. So I'm excited yes. about that. Yes, and it's so good. It makes a lot of sense. I know a lot of people, like I said, can resonate with that. They've heard you talk about it and they're like, okay, maybe I weren't able to articulate it, but she's articulating it for me. Like I've checked these boxes. I've got the great job, you know, making the six figures, doing all these things, but it just doesn't feel like it's complete. And just so you guys know, those of you who are listening, she said 10 billion, just not 10 million. She was helping manage (laughs) a 10, a $10 billion portfolio. And with anyone around you, family or friends or anyone who was thinking you were crazy from wanting to walk away from that job? Oh, everybody thought I was like, um, I was married. So obviously, you know, when you're married, decisions are not made in silo. You have to talk to your partner. And as supportive as my husband is, he was like, are you sure? Like, you know the life that we have built for ourselves. Like we have two homes, we have kids in private school, we had a very expensive car, we had an expensive lifestyle, we love to travel, we like nice things. Like, are you sure? And you know, that was the that was the thing that used to loom over me all the time. Like, do I truly believe in my purpose and my passion and my skill set? to the degree that I believe I can replace the salary that I was making. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. They believe that because they're doing something they're passionate about, they have to forego that salary. And I struggled with that because people were like, you know, 
you make that kind of money because of the market and the industry that you work in and you want to go and start some passion project well good luck and see if you're able to you know maintain and have that lifestyle and a lot of people <laughs> questioned it like as much as people were supportive in the sense that they were like yay good for you you're doing something that so many of us are afraid to in the back of their minds they were also like she is crazy because is she going to be able to make that money doing something else? And I think there was a lot of doubt and fear from other people that influenced me at that time too, because I started to think twice, like, is this possible? You know? I remember this time so well, Sue. We were talking a <laughs> lot at this time. And I I knew from the very beginning, I'm like, she's going to do so well. Like, I just knew yeah. there was no doubt. <laughs> well, but I know, <laughs> and I know a lot of people do have that fear though. So how would you suggest that they, actually, even let's backtrack. Because you were saying at first, you didn't even know what your passions and your purpose was. How were you yeah. able to figure out those passions and purpose and overcome that fear? Yeah, I honestly, and I talk about this so much, I really think that adopting this like modern minimalist lifestyle really contributed to me finding out who I truly was. Because I realized as I was progressing through my career, I was buying things and I was, you know, purchasing these like trophies for not fully living my passion. It was like I needed to show people that I was successful with buying things and I know like putting it into those terms, a lot of people were like, oh no, that's not me. But when you think about like buying the expensive car and buying the name brand and all of that, it's like, well, what are you truly doing it for? And for me, when I thought about it and spent time with myself, I was doing it because I needed to feel like I was doing this job for a reason. And at the time, again, it was not the company nor the job. It was that I didn't have perspective or a bigger picture. So by getting rid of things and being very intentional about the things that I brought back into my life, I mean, I downsized everything like belongings, friend circles, my schedule, like I stripped away anything that was getting in the way of me getting back to myself. And in doing that, I was able to find out like what my passion and my purpose was. And it continues to evolve over time. But I realized I have a passion for helping people. And I really didn't know how to articulate it at the time. But I knew that I enjoyed like whether people asked me about questions on having a new baby and breastfeeding and or questions about starting a business or about law of attraction, manifestation, anything that I experienced, I wanted to give back and help people. And that's when like, I didn't know that until I had nothing left but passion and the things that like meant something to me. So I am a firm believer of like purging and downsizing because I found like the more I got rid of, the more I found myself. And the more mm -hmm. I found myself, the more I was strategic about what I let back in. So I definitely think that that was a big, big, big thing for me in finding out like what my passion and purpose was. I love that. You are just so poetic. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> and one, one thing I really love about you is you're so tuned in to all your feels, right? And you follow your yeah. gut. And what yeah. advice do you have for those who are listening who may feel drained and anxious? Let's say they do know what their purpose and passion is, but they're feeling anxious about, you know, where they are and where they want to be. And they're afraid to make that move. What do you suggest for them? Where it's like, they were in that position. Let's say they found their passion, but it's like, okay, I'm scared though. I'm still scared. Can I do it? 
Yeah, I think it's so important to get still and get quiet. People are so afraid of that. Like having, just imagine like you have a free schedule. How many of us know what we're going to do with that free schedule? Or how many of us are okay with doing nothing with that free schedule? I think it's so important to get still and get quiet because then you can really find out why you're feeling that way. I am a firm believer that everything in life is energy and like attracts like and everything is corresponding in energy patterns. And so if you're feeling anxious or if you're feeling overwhelmed or if you're feeling stressed, you really want to unpack why you feel that way. And the only way to truly figure out why you're feeling that way is to get quiet with yourself. Um, You could use meditation, you could use journaling, you could use conversations with people that you trust, but you just need to still the noise enough to get answers. I would sit and literally just ask for clarity, like, why am I feeling this way? You know, why am I afraid? Why am I fearful? And a lot of times it went back to, you know, the way that we're raised and the things that society says and how we start creating these belief systems that we believe to be fact, when in actuality, like we're making them factual because we have adopted that belief system. So for me, I just, I really highly recommend anybody who's feeling stressed, overwhelmed, anxious, just to find some time for stillness. And sometimes, you know, being quiet can cause more anxiety. So it may mean having a quiet conversation with somebody else and getting out your feelings. But you really want to unpack why you feel that way so that you can start like reprogramming those thoughts. Like I didn't realize that although I was speaking in terms of abundance, I was really feeling a lack because I was like, you know, how am I going to replace that salary? How am I going to make sure that I can still afford school fees? And what I was thinking is that I was thinking about solutions, but I was actually focusing on the lack thereof. And that's what I was manifesting for a while. Like I was manifesting opportunities of more lack because I was focusing on not having it. And so I got quiet enough to be able to realize that. So I was able to reprogram my thoughts and focus more towards abundance. And then I saw all of the blessings. I mean, all of it is blessings, but I really saw things like make the turning point and like improve. Mm -hmm. We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it? And what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. And I know you're also all about morning routines. Why do you think that's so important? Like, is that a big part of the whole quietness? And is it something you think everybody should have? 100%. Like, so when I went through this whole, like, minimalist and all that stuff, I started studying successful people and people that I deemed successful or who had lifestyles that I wanted to emulate or who had parts of lifestyles that I wanted in mind. And every single one of them had either a morning routine or an evening routine or both. 
And it's really about allocating that time to set the energy and to set the pace and the intention for your day, your night, whatever. And so for me, because I have kids, I know that the day can quickly get ahead of me and I can feel like I'm living on that default again, that box checking, like, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do that. So by having a very specific morning routine, and the morning routine for me, it's more about carving out the time. I don't do the exact same thing every morning except make a matcha, like I have to make a matcha every morning. (laughs) But it's more about allocating that time to set the energy and set the pace for the day so that I know that everything that I'm doing for that day is in good conscience, it's in good space, it's in good energy, but it's also moving towards the intention that I set. And so that to me helps me get away from just letting the day run on default. Like I know that I get through everything that I need to in that morning routine, I set the pace for the day, I'm in good energy, and then I know that everything that comes in the rest of the day, I can either deal with the things that don't go as planned in a much more clearer headspace, But I also can make sure that if an opportunity or something comes my way, I can evaluate it and say, you know, that's not part of the bigger picture and be okay with saying no, because I've set the intention and I know where I want to go for that day. And and my morning routine for that day is part of the bigger picture of where I want to be that month, that that year, that, you know, so it's, it's just getting my mind and my energy in the right place and then staying intentional for the day. Mm-hmm. And what about the person that's listening and they're like, look, I don't have time for a morning routine. How long does that take? Like, what do you have to say to that person who thinks they don't have, oops, I hit my mic. <laughs> what do you have to say to that person who thinks they don't have the time? I mean, it's like, it's, it's with anything, right? Like you say that you don't have the time, but are you happy with the way things are going? And if you are happy with the way things are going and you feel like you're living intentionally and purposefully and with passion and you're doing it without a morning routine, then by all means, continue as you are. But chances are, if you're listening to this and you've gotten this far, then there is something that you feel like you can change. And I would say, even if you can allocate five minutes to do one thing that sets your energy in the right place, you've done a morning routine. Like now that we're in quarantine right now, my morning routine is so elaborate and it's like two hours long. But when I was regular life, it was 20 minutes and that's all I needed. Like make my matcha, journal for the day, set an intention, write a bit of gratitude, and then I was ready to go. But now that I have the time, I'm enjoying the luxury of having a longer morning routine. I work out, I journal, I meditate, I do all of those things. But again, it's like, if you want the benefits, then you have to allocate the time. And I don't think that the time that you allocate is necessarily equal to the benefit that you get out, but the action of doing it and doing it consistently for sure is equal to the benefit that you receive. So I would say if things are going well, then by all means continue. But if you are looking for ways to improve, just start with a consistent five minute practice of journaling gratitude or making yourself a hot cup of tea, whatever it is that makes you feel good, do it consistently every day and try it out and see how it makes you feel. And if it makes you feel good, you'll allocate the time accordingly and you'll make the time to do it. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it's more of a quality thing over a quantity thing anyway. And it's oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's not about finding the time, right? It's about making the time for the things that matter to you. 
And exactly. You know, you can't feed somebody off of an empty plate. So if you want you to be filled up and to be able to pour into others and to be able to live your best life, you have to be filling yourself up and doing things that make you feel good and setting the tone really for the rest of the day. So I agree 100%. I'm a morning person. So like 5am is my jam. I know that I know that's not everybody's thing, but like, it's the best to me. No one else is up. It's like you time, you know, and it just is. put a go. You can't say something isn't going to work or it isn't for you if you haven't tried it consistently for a decent amount of time. So yeah. I'm with Sue on this one. Get that morning routine, even if it's just five minutes have that moment for yourself and not only are you mindful when it comes to you know your body and your business but you're also mindful with your money moves which I appreciate so let's talk about that what is your approach when it comes to money and investments I think it's twofold so for me it's like an energetic spiritual side and then like a practical side I truly and you know we always talk about this that like everything in life is energy and so is money and the money that you want to make there's an energetic vibration for that amount of money and for me I would say on the energetic side it's really getting into the mindset and the energy of the money that you want to receive. And sometimes that takes some inner work that takes, you know, thinking about what you were taught about money as a child, it goes into what society has told you about money. A lot of times people work in certain industries and they're told that you can't make money because you work in this industry. I think it takes time to like unpack all of that and be okay with money and talking about money and being around money and spending money. People sometimes don't even like to hear the word money. They get so turned off by it and you have to unpack why you feel that way. So I definitely think there's like a spiritual aspect to money. And then practically speaking, it's just being mindful about how you allocate your funds. Like it's super important to think about diversifying all of your income streams. Um, We're in a situation now where there are some people that are unable to work. There are people that are able to make money from home. There are people that aren't. And you want to be able to set yourself up so that you can dial up and down the ways that you make money based on the market that we're in. Um, So I take a very practical approach to that. And that's probably my finance and portfolio management background coming into play. But it's very important for me to diversify income streams, especially with the family and all of that. Like I wanted to make sure that no matter what situation I found myself in, I could use one of those revenue streams to sustain myself. And again, it all comes down to energy. So if you are energetically good at making money, you will figure it out. But you do want to be practical with your money at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people all the time, they talk about diversification, right? But I Mm -hmm. know you, you walk your talk. So when Sue's talking about diversification, she's got real estate, she's got businesses, she's got her own portfolios and things like that as well. So I just wanted to let people know that you're not just talking about like a single portfolio diversifying the assets in that, but you're talking about across the board. Yeah, you want to think about, you know, your investment portfolio. So there's investments in You can diversify that like there's stocks, there's bonds, there's foreign exchange, like you can, um, yeah, you can invest in futures. 
that's one part of your portfolio. Then you can have the way you make money. So I had a brick and mortar business and then I made money online. So, you know, right now I can't make money from my brick and mortar business. So I'm dialing up the ways that I make money online. And then there's also, you know, other ways to make money. So there's real estate, like you can dabble in that, you know, there are times where the real estate market may be flourishing. There are times where it may tank, but if you are, you know, have your entire portfolio diversified then when it's not doing so well you can be and like moving your efforts to another part of your portfolio that is doing well and ramping up money on that side it definitely takes time and it takes like a juggling act and you want to get good in one sector before you move to the next but taking the time to make sure you have a portfolio it just protects yourself and it protects you and makes you be able to sleep a little sounder when you go through, you know, economic downturn and, you know, situations like we're in now. I'm not saying that it's completely worry free, but, you know, you know that there are other ways for you to make money and continue to sustain yourself if you've done the work to create a portfolio. And for the person, well, for everyone listening, really, make sure if this is giving you a headache, like the thought of diversifying and thinking of EFTs and, you know, futures and all the things, your stocks, your bonds, then hire someone who you trust, who oh, is certified, who knows what they're doing, right? Because I get that it's not, every, it's not everybody's background. So Sue, one of, exactly. the things you, one of the things you were touching on a lot at the beginning of this is the mindset piece. So how do you get your mind right? How does someone who is in a situation where maybe they have tons of blocks and things like that around their money, how do they get that right? Hey, Freedom Slayer, I hope you're enjoying this episode with Sue, and we'll be diving right back into it in a second. But before we do, I have to share that the doors are opening soon for my signature program, Cubicle Ditch Academy. Cubicle Ditch Academy is the Beyonce of business courses. Yeah, you heard me right. For women ready to build their side hustle to a place where they can match or surpass the business income and finally chuck the deuces to the nine to five. And we've had many in the program who've already done this. It's really a game changer and it has six game changing modules that would teach you everything from getting uber clear on your audience to how to create multiple streams of income and how to recession proof your business. And that's just scratching the surface of all the things that are included. Before the doors open though, on June 9th, I'll be hosting a free webinar teaching three steps to monetize your business and ditch your cubicle. And if you haven't been on any of my free trainings, just know that they bring the heat. I share tons of valuable and actionable information so that you benefit whether or not you ever buy from me. There are a few things I despise more than being on a webinar to learn nothing and be sold to the whole time so annoying it's whack i hate it so if you're listening to this podcast on or before june 9th 2020 head on over to gainette.com forward slash webinar so that you can get on the free training that makes a difference in your business that's gainette.com forward slash webinar and i have one t in my name so that's g-a-y-n-e-t-e dot com forward slash webinar I'll also have the link in the show notes for this podcast. Okay, now let's get back to chatting with Sue. Yeah, you definitely, again, it goes back to the stillness. I like to use recently journaling. I really wasn't big into journaling before this, but I found it's just such an effective tool to play back your own words. And so much of what we manifest is the things that we think and we speak about ourselves. And I think if you are somebody who is struggling with money mindset, 
you really want to take the time to think about what your beliefs are around money. A lot of us are told a lot of the same things because we have parents of similar generations who were raised with a certain reality about money. For them, they felt like money was constrained resource. There was a limited resource. There was um, it was allocated to certain people. You had to be born into money. We were told things like money doesn't grow on trees and things like that. And so they passed that down to us, not intentionally, but just trying to, you know, give us some perspective on money. But what that does is it creates these false belief systems around it. And money is just a tool. It's just energy. And so you want to unpack why you feel a certain way about money. You know, people say that money is the root of all evil, but how could it be the root of all evil when there are people who dedicate their life to donating money and creating foundations and lives of philanthropy and they use money for good in the world? It's really just a tool. So you want to sit with yourself and unpack some of your thoughts and beliefs around money. And I did exactly that. I sat down because, you know, I went from a career where I was making really good money to going out on my own and having to think like, how am I going to generate this for myself? And so I had to think about what were my beliefs around money and making money for myself and being an entrepreneur. And you have all these people who are telling you, you know, you can't replace that salary doing your passion project or passion doesn't pay and all of those things. And so I really spent time on my money mindset. I wrote down all the things that I believed about money. And then I wrote them in a way that affirmed that it wasn't true. And then I looked at people who made money from small towns because, you know, you live in Bermuda and you think, you know, how do you make a difference from your small island? So I looked at people who lived in small towns and have big lives and looked at the money that they made and how they thought about money. And I just started to one by one reprogram. And it took a long time. Like it wasn't something that I journaled for a few days about. It took probably the better of six to eight months before I really started to feel the benefits of it because I was so focused on that lack mindset. And I think, you know, a lot of people, they start their own business and they have these grand plans of pivoting from their job to their own business, but there's not a lot of talk about when it doesn't go right and when you aren't making that money. And when I first left, I was not making that money. And it was because I had this lack mindset. And although on the outside, it looked like everything was going so well, I wasn't fully making, and, and it was going well enough, but it, I wasn't making the money I knew that I could. And so I spent the time, like I thought about every, I mean, every single way that I thought about money, I wrote it down and I journaled about it and I rewrote it in a way that felt powerful and that felt like I was stepping into that next version of myself. And I think it's so important to spend the time to reconstruct those thoughts because they can play on you at so many levels of this game, you know, like whether you're just starting out or you've gotten to a new level and you're breaking through a new income level, it can play on you. So I think it's really, really important to dissect those thoughts and then reprogram in a way that feels powerful for you. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like, especially in this world where you have the Donald Trumps, right? Some people can't mm -hmm. wrap their head around separating people, a man and his money or a woman and her money. And mm -hmm. it's understanding, like you said, it is a tool. And just like you could use a sneaker to walk and make your buddy better or to go and deliver a, some flowers to a friend, or you could use a sneaker to kick somebody. It's a yeah. tool, right? So it's you use tool. it and it's not 
people with money aren't evil. People, some people are evil, right? There are exactly. douches that are poor. <laughs> there are douches that have money. So it's like money is going to accentuate the person. But if the person is a great person who cares and they're given more money, just means they're going to be able to give back more as well. So exactly. it's definitely looking at it. And I love that you said you took a step back and you're looking for people who've done something similar to what you're looking to do that are from the small town. And the way you can look, listen to this, because I know some of you listening aren't from small towns, right? The majority of the listeners are in big cities in the States, but maybe you think it's your race or your accent or your weight or whatever it is that's holding you back. Find exactly. just one, find just one person who has that accent or that look or that whatever who has been able to succeed with it. And that is your clue. And then knowing, knowing as well that if you don't find someone, I'm, I'm sure there is someone out there, but let's say you don't find someone who has this thing that you have. Maybe you have a fifth ear, like whatever, right? Don't forget that you can be the first one to then be that person for the next. Because that reminds me of like the one minute mile. And I'm not going to get into that again because I go into the one minute mile, I'm sure, in another interview I did a couple of weeks ago. So <laughs> the one minute mile, though, just in a nutshell, in case this is your first time hearing about it, the one minute mile was seen to be impossible, right? Oh, no, sorry, mm -hmm. four minute mile, the four minute mile. It was yeah. like an impossible thing for people to do. And then after that, people, st once one person broke that record, it is now their norm in order to yeah. do it. Like it becomes and that's the norm. thing, like, I think that people don't realize that, like, again, when I was studying successful people, it really all came down to what they believed was possible for themselves. Like, yes. you have people that, you know, arguably are not that talented or arguably not that intelligent or whatever we may believe about it. But because they believe that they deserve this life and that money and that career and they believe it with full you know, full conviction, conviction on their behalf, yeah. mm -hmm. it is so because what you believe is so like what you believe to be true about yourself is so and if you can and, and that's, that's the reason why having this like spiritual practice to your business is beneficial to me because it really comes down to what I truly believe about myself and what I truly believe is possible. And then I know that if I believe it truly with full conviction, then I can manifest it. But so many of us are clouded by, you know, what perceived reality and what our parents tell us and what we see in society and this reality that we're living that, you know, we create these hard and fast rules about what's possible. And then we start blocking our own blessings. So it really comes down to like what we believe is possible for ourselves. It doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. It comes down to what we believe, you know? Seriously, like you don't have to be the brightest, the smartest, the fastest, the like you don't have to no. be any of the, you have to be consistently positive about it. And actually yeah. I can't even say positive because you can have your off days, right? It's yeah. So when people hear these things, they often think like, oh, these guys are woo-woo, they're in the sky, like whatever. But I need you to understand like from a practical level, it all comes down. To, it's not like, oh, you know, she thinks she can fly. She's going to jump out the window and fly. That's not it at, at all. But it's understanding the importance of consistency. Like even Sue was saying that it took her months of journaling before she started yeah. to feel it. But it's understanding yeah. that you have to put that work in, right? Just like yeah. anything. So putting the work into truly understanding that it's possible for you because it happened for someone else, which means it's available for you as well. Whatever you exactly. see out there. 
is in your reality as well. It's your RAS, exactly. your reticular activating system in your brain that's bringing it to your attention so you know that you're on the right path, one, but also bringing it to your attention so you can constantly focus on it to bring more opportunity to you. So, And like your desires are on your heart for a reason. And I think people don't put as much weight into that as they should. Like, you know, you want to do whatever it is you want to do for a reason. And you wouldn't be dropped that gift for you to fail, you know, but you have to get behind your beliefs and you have to get behind knowing that you can make something out of whatever that desire is. And it's easier said than done in some cases, but like you have this vision of what you want for your life for a reason. Mm -hmm. And do you have any favorite like books for money or mindset or any YouTube channels or something that have helped you that you think can help those listening that may be struggling with the mindset piece? Yes, I would say beyond the like science part of it, because you can get into like quantum physics and all of that stuff. If you want a very practical book to read, there's two that I would recommend. Think and Grow Rich, I think is a really good read. And then A Happy Pocket Full of Money. I think A Happy Pocket Full of Money is a good first intro to like the energy and science behind money and law of attraction and how it all works. I think that's a really good one. And then Think and Grow Rich is kind of like, you know, the next step to that. Mm -hmm. But I think they're both really, really good reads for understanding what money really is, because I think we all have distorted views of what it is. And even as I continue to grow in my career, I'm learning new things about it every single day. But I think if you spend the time to really research it, you'll probably realize that you have some mixed views on what it is and how it's represented in your life. And you can, with with very, just by reading this book and the way that it's constructed, you will start to change the way you look at it and you'll see abundance in a whole new light. And for those of you who are listening, who may be saying, okay, I'm going to check out Think and Grow Rich, but that's, you know, maybe an old white man or something like that, right? There is one called Think and Grow Rich, a black choice, but I want you to understand that energy does not discriminate, right? Mm -hmm. And because money is an energy, it's going to flow to the person that's looking for it. So, mm -hmm. and who believes that they can not only get it, but they can hold on to it and they can disperse it with wisdom, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's ensuring that you check yourself when you start thinking these things, but there is another book as well, if that's something that came in your mind. Like I want to read about, you know, it from a black person's perspective. There is a black one as well. Okay, before we go on, I wanted to reiterate that message just so you understand that energy does not discriminate. And I want you to remind yourself that energy does not discriminate. People do. And people create stupid systems that discriminate against you. But I want you to understand that even with the systems that may have been created to pull you down, you can still succeed in spite of them. And that's why I think it's so important for you if you're listening to this and you're like thinking grow rich, maybe you try to read it before and you just couldn't get down with it. I know a few pieces of the original book for me stood out as racist and sexist, right? And if you've read the book, you probably know which parts I'm talking about. So there were whole pieces of the book I had to throw away. So that's when I decided to look for other books and I did find Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice. And that one's by Dennis Kimbrough. So I'll link to all the 
the books mentioned in this podcast below in the show notes. And there's also a really good one called Black Fortunes. So I'll link to that one too, because I do think it's important that we see ourselves and me talking as a black woman, we see ourselves represented in what we read. It's important. And I want you to know again, that even if what it is that you want to do You can't find anyone that looks like you or that's your size or that sounds like you or whatever or from the same neighborhood as you or whatever it is. Know that even if you can't find it, you can be the first. However, it is always great to see a reflection of yourself when when you're trying to do something new. So I thought it was important to pause it here just to say that, but let's continue on with the interview. I love that. Is there any YouTube channels that you like to watch or do you watch any YouTube channels as it relates to like mindset or manifestation? Yeah, personally, I'm not really big on YouTube. I am so impatient, which is so sad because it's (laughs) not really a good trait, but I try to watch YouTube and I just skim past the things that like, I'm like, get to the point, get to the point. But um, I, I actually, honestly, I feel like if you put the intention out that you want to learn more about it, you will be surprised at how many opportunities to learn more about whatever it is you're interested in will come your way. So I like a lot of times I will be on Instagram and somebody will post the book that they're reading and I follow up on that, or um, I'd be listening to a podcast and they mention something like um, it's interesting. Um, once you set the intention for what you want to get better at, how easily these things kind of flow into your, into your world, you know, mm-hmm. but no, I, I don't have any YouTube recommendations, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> No worries. Um, there is one. What is his name? Ralph Smart. Infinite. Well, I haven't watched it in a long time, but he used Infinite Waters. He used to have a, have a few about manifestation. But you can literally Google it. You can even Google like manifestation yeah. meditation, and there's like guided meditation. So you can yeah. um, do those. Um, asking it is given is a really good book. It's not specifically about money, but it's about law of attraction and manifestation. And um, I mean anything from Esther and Jerry Hicks or from Abraham, I think is. Um, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Everyone always talks about that and I never, ever, ever listen or watch it. Is it good? It's so good. It's, <laughs> I, I honestly, like so much of the teachings of everyday people who talk about law of attraction and manifestation are based on the teachings of Abraham and based on the teachings of Esther and Jerry Hicks. And it's just nice sometimes to get it from the source, you know, like, I feel like you are exposed to so many teachers before you find the one that you resonate with most. And for me, going to the source helped me to better understand. So that's how I found it. I think you of all people would really enjoy it because it's very practical and it's from the source, you know, it's not any misrepresentation from anybody else's perspective or from their lens. It's like true from the source. And for those of you listening, it's also about being honest with yourself because you may be saying, well, I don't have any money blocks or I don't have any blocks around money. But if you're having a difficult time attracting money or keeping money, it's about sitting with yourself. So it goes back to what Sue was saying about being silent and sitting down with yourself and, you know, really reflecting on what it is. Like for me, my block was different. It looked different than what most people's blocks look like. So most people are like, oh, I can't attract money because I think it's evil. Listen, I never thought money was evil. I never thought that it was tough to get. And I had no problem attracting it. I had a problem keeping it for the longest while. 
And yeah. I realized that in my mind, I was saying, oh, well, I'm going to make it right back. And I still believe yeah. that I can make money and make it right back. But what I didn't realize was a block was that I was quickly getting rid of it because I didn't trust myself to manage it properly at first. Yeah. So it's about being really smart about what it is that's going wrong or what, not wrong, but necessarily what's, what it is that's happening with your money situation and diving yeah. into that. Because and there are people like, sorry to cut you off, but there are people who make money and they hold on to it and they have these massive savings, but they that's hoarding so small because they mm-hmm. are actually fearful of losing the money. So they don't spend it. They keep it in savings. They live very frugal and they don't enjoy it. And, and, and that's not life. That's, that's not living. Exactly. <laughs> And it's like, I think you're right. Like you really want to, and you could replace money with anything. Like it could be how you feel about love, relationships, attracting clients to your business. It could, you could replace it with anything, but you're right. You really need to sit and be honest with yourself. People always act like you have somebody watching and it's like, oh my God, like, I don't want to admit this, but like you're admitting it to yourself to to make things better. So like for me, that was one thing I had to get comfortable with because I felt like I put on a certain view that like everything was always going so well. And like, I didn't want to like tap into what wasn't going well because I didn't want to open that can of worms. And I was like, no, you're not, you're not happy. Is it the career? Do you not feel like that, that was the right career for you? And it wasn't necessarily that it was, I didn't feel like I was doing anything that I was passionate about. And so life felt kind of sad and a little bit empty even though I had the money and I had, you know, the nice house and all of those things. So I, you're, you're so right that you want to sit with yourself and just like be real with yourself and have a real conversation with yourself about what isn't going well and unpack that. Uh-huh. And I want to say something because you said something just now. You said you had the money, you had the job, you had all the things and you weren't happy. And I know there's going to be someone listening that's going to say money doesn't buy happiness. And I want to stop you right there. And they are not mutually exclusive, right? So you can have happiness and you can have money. There are many people who are unhappy that have money, you're right. But there are also many people who are unhappy who don't have any money. It's not a money issue, it's a people issue, right? Yeah. So it's really understanding that you can have it all, right? You really can. You can have the things on your heart that you desire, but it's Mm -hmm. understanding that you are deserving of them and you're deserving of keeping them, right? And that Mm -hmm. you can manage them. So you can definitely, like I, that thing that drives me up a wall when I hear that, it's like, oh, you know, this person committed suicide. They weren't happy, like when it's a a star. And I'm like, well, you know how many people commit suicide that are broke all the time? You just don't see it on TV. So it's really about checking in with yourself when you find yourself quickly coming up to that conclusion when you hear that, or if you see somebody on TV that may be a millionaire who got, you know, maybe they money laundered or something. And the first thought in your mind is, well, I don't trust them anyway, billionaires, whatever. Like I've had these conversations with people all the time and it's understanding that those are preconceived notions. Ask Mm -hmm. yourself, as soon as you hear that, when you say, you know, money don't buy happiness, ask yourself, is there broke people that are not happy? If the answer is yes, then that's not a money thing, right? Ask yourself. Sometimes I feel like people use it as a cop out. Like it's like, you know, sure, one hundred percent. Yeah, if I tell people that, like, you know, I don't actually want to be a millionaire because I, I wouldn't even know. Like nobody needs that amount of money, or you know, I hate capitalism, or whatever it is you you say to make. It's like a lot of times it's a cop out for how you really feel. 
and I like, you know, the whole money doesn't buy happiness thing, but it also helps me with my freedom and freedom is important. And having my own finances means that I can make certain decisions that I wouldn't be able to if I didn't manage my own finances and be in control of that. So while money doesn't equal freedom and money doesn't, I can't pay for happiness, but it does open those avenues and those opportunities to, you know, get all the things that I want. Like I want to be able to afford to put my kids in the best school. I want to donate lots of money to donations and causes that are close to me. I want to be able to spend six weeks like I did traveling with my kids over the summer. Like those are the things that make me happy and money gets me there and I'm using it for good. I'm giving back, I'm providing experiences for myself and my kids. And it, it all comes down to perspective and like, you know, not using money and like, evil and all of that as a cop-out because you haven't done the inner work around it. 100%. And I agree. It's also a book that's coming to my mind and I'll put link to all these books below in the show notes, the ones that Sue mentioned, as well as the ones that I mentioned, there's this one called the rules of wealth. And mm-hmm. it's a really great book because there's literally each rule is like a page or two. So it's a really quick read, but they're really great. But at the beginning, before the book even starts, like in the intro section, they have a list of maybe 20 or so things. And mm-hmm. it's all the reasons people want money, right? So there's comfort, there's power, there's, you know, the freedom, time, freedom, financial freedom, like all the things, security, because money does provide these things. Maybe it's philanthropy yeah. that's your reason, but you can take this quiz and figure out what What's the things that are most important to you? But understand, like Sue said, like, no, money doesn't buy happiness, but it buys a lot of the things that do make you happy. So let's mm-hmm. say like your loved ones, right? It buys you time to spend time with your loved ones. It buys you mm-hmm. the freedom to be with your loved ones. It buys you the security to be with your loved ones. It buys you the ability to be philanthropic and give to causes that are near and dear to your heart. So understand yeah that while you may see some people doing some crazy things that have a lot of money, understand that there are even, you know, I wouldn't say even more, but there's a lot of people doing crazy things without money too. So it's not a money thing and money can definitely be correlated with assisting you to live a happy life. While it doesn't make you happy, it can definitely contribute to your overall happiness, but you have to be happy with yourself to begin with, right? Because someone who's miserable, period, they're going to be miserable with money. Someone who exactly. isn't happy with themselves and with, you know, who they are and what they've decided to surround themselves, themselves with, whether it's people and, you know, all whatever, then you're not going to be happy with money. But if you're happy before you get the money, you best believe having more money makes your life exactly. a lot easier. So I love And there's that. responsibility that comes with it. Like we have to be a student of our own lives We have to be a student of our own income. We have to be a student of our own schedule. Like there's responsibility that comes with the freedom, with the money, with the business. And so it's up to us how we allocate our time. It's up to us how we allocate our money. And so saying that like money can't buy you happiness and all that, it's all about how you allocate that money. And if somebody decides to allocate their money to poor um, things, you know, and to evil and to, um, you know, putting it into the hands of the wrong people, then that that's one person and that has nothing to do with the money it has everything to do with the person who is allocating that money we as you know business owners with spiritual minds and who have good intentions and all of those things we allocate the money in allocate our money in a certain way that is in line with our values and i know for me 
it's as simple as we talk about this too, like buying the organic food from the farmer and buying from a local store because I know the purchasing power and I know the power behind my money. And if I allocate that in that way, then I know that I'm endorsing those industries. So we have to be students of our own income. We can't be, you know, it can't be a cop out and saying like money is evil and people that have a lot of money are, are evil. We get to allocate our money the way that we see fit, you know? And it comes back to taking responsibility, right? Understanding mm-hmm. that it's all up to you. And I, I agree, it is a crutch, especially when, like you were mentioning earlier, people say like, I don't want or I don't need a million dollars, you know, whatever. It really comes down to being fearful that you can't get it or that if you get mm-hmm. it, you aren't going to use it right. So you have to trust and believe in your ability to do that. But you mentioned something just now that reminded me of something when you said, you know, you put that money into the farmer's market, like Sum and I, when I was in Bermuda, I was at the farmer's market every weekend, <laughs> like every yeah. weekend, you know? So I, and I get it. And you saying that reminded me about your how you manage your investment. So Sue invests in companies that she believes in, right? Yeah. And you know, you can have, I don't know if you ever heard of, I'm not you, I know you have Sue, but those listening, a social impact or impact investing is what they call it. You mm-hmm. can look into that as well, but it's putting your money, putting your dollars into what you believe in, whether that's sustainable companies, ensuring that your portfolio manager isn't investing in the things that you aren't in agreement with, whether that's exactly. you know BP and the oil companies or you know tobacco companies and all those places, but being really vigilant with what you're doing with your income as well. Yeah, and, you- and it goes back to that being like still and quiet with yourself and knowing what your values are and living your life intentionally and consciously and in accordance with the bigger picture and with your values so when i allocate money and when i you know there are small companies that i like to give capital to because i believe in their mission and i believe in helping them have a footprint in this world because i believe so heavily in what they are trying to bring to the world and it goes back to i can't do it all by myself And if I, you know, they are in line with my values, then I can give money and assign capital to them so that they can do their good in the world because I can't do it by myself. So when I allocate money to investments, that's me endorsing a company and a a policy or a lifestyle or anything like that, that, you know, I can't do it by myself. So if I put the money into the hands of people that can, then I feel like I'm doing my part, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. And I know you're so mindful with the way you're investing too. So like, and when I say way you're investing, I'm thinking the way you think about your investment. So Sue, for instance, I remember one time we were talking and you said, you know, for you have some investments specifically for like college funds, right? You know, your daughter is going to be graduating at a specific time. So you're like, okay, this is important. So let me ensure that this is set up to mature at this date or around this time. So it's being intentional, knowing what it is that you want, knowing what it is that you want for those around you, your loved ones, your community, and then ensuring that you sit with yourself and then do what you have to do to bring it to light. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, like I look at, you know, the time horizon of the different like big moments in my life. And I have three children, all who will be going to college at different points in their lives. You know, I have a four-year-old that will be going to school next September. And so I am like constantly thinking of those important dates and how I can match investments to those dates. And it sometimes it means I have to pass up on an opportunity that may 
take longer to come to fruition or it means allocating money there and not to something so immediate um, or changing the risk appetite of investments because I need money in different times. But again, it's like once you spend the time to get familiar and get comfortable with, you know, what's important to you, then it's a lot easier to invest and set horizons and returns and all that stuff for all of your investments because you know what your bigger picture looks like. And now this doesn't mean that a 2008 can, can't happen again and the stock market crashes and all of that, but it also means in the wake of that, you can turn to other investments, you can energetically align with other opportunities, you can be faithful in the bigger picture because you believe in like things like the law of attraction. It just means that when you're making the decision today and when you're present with that decision, you're doing it intentionally and consciously. You're not just doing it because it seems like the right thing to do. Uh-huh. And you mentioned the importance of figuring out about long-term versus short-term investments. Most times when people think of money, especially when they're at a place where they don't have much of it, it's immediately thinking about what short-term things can they do to grow it. But mm-hmm. understand that long-term investments are not only important, but they're necessary in order for yeah. you to grow, right? And even from a practical standpoint, so if you're listening to this and let's say none of it resonates, which I cannot believe because Sue's amazing, (laughs) but let's say you're like, oh, I don't believe in the law of attraction or I don't believe in manifestation or whatever. Okay, fine. Let's look at the stock market. We know it for the most part is cyclical, right? So even when 2008 crashed, every time there's a bear market, we know that the bull market is on its return, right? So yes, it may be down for some time, but understand that there's always going to be where there's ups, there's downs where there's ebbs there's flows Mm -hmm. so when you're looking at long-term investments and you may be saying oh i'm scared because i saw back in 2008 or you know it's a recession right now and i don't want the money to crash or whatever understand that if you are young and you likely are listening to this the markets will rebound, right? You want to be smart. You want to get your advice from a professional, but the markets rebound. So don't talk yourself out of something before you even get to understand how it works, I guess is the point I'm making. Yeah, definitely. And I also think it's, it's very important to use every situation like this as education. So, you know, you don't have to jump into the stock market now if you don't feel comfortable. You don't have to get into a long-term investment right now, but use it as a chance for education. Like, look at right now, like for me, I think it's super interesting to be able to like go through this pandemic and see what the economy does after and what it does to different industries, small businesses, all of that, and just collect data because now that's one more experience you can add to your you know real life education and i was in college at the time of the 2008 stock market i didn't have money to invest at that point but i did see opportunities that arose out of it and so now i'm thinking like okay now i'm in a similar ish situation and the things that i learned back in 2008 through the 2010 i can start applying some of that stuff now and it was because i paid attention and to be fair, I studied finance, so I did, I was more, I was closer to it at that time, mm-hmm. but like use it as education. Like don't let this be, like don't let this time pass without learning anything because it, it chances are it will happen again, whether it happens in our lifetime or our children's lifetime, it's going to happen again. And like, like you said, it's cyclical. So there are going to be opportunities. So be open and see it for like an educational opportunity so that you can apply it the next time something similar happens. 
Mm-hmm. And the way my mindset set up, honestly, is like, I don't care. I shouldn't say I don't care. Whatever is happening around me, like let's say the market crashes, let's say like all of these things happen, that's not going to stop me from doing what I need to do to make a difference in my life and the lives of others, right? So it's having this mindset to understand that there are things that are outside of your control. There are going to be things that you cannot, you cannot have any impact on like the pandemic, right? Let's say, Mm -hmm. you know, you couldn't stop it when it started, but the reality is you still have choices each and every day. That choice may be to get up and meditate and to do a morning routine, Mm -hmm. which helps bring opportunities to you because in that meditation, maybe an idea comes to your mind. It's so many things you can do to set yourself up for success, even when it seems like chaos is happening around you. There are many things you don't have control over, but there are things that you do. So focus on those. So there are people launching businesses in the wake of this pandemic because they are responding to opportunities in the market just because there is going to be a recession or there's economic downturn doesn't mean that there isn't still money in the system and doesn't mean that there isn't opportunities like for sure we just have to be open to them yeah and there's always winners and i don't like to like say that because i don't want it to like rub in people's faces that are like suffering during this time but understand wherever there are people losing money there are always people making money right and i know people have issues with jeff bezos but he just hired 170,000 people in since march 170,000 not 170 which is ridiculous 170,000 people for his stores walmart has hiring signs all around canada about in in my area in nova scotia right now companies are hiring and not even just this big companies but there are a lot of small companies that are finding opportunities right now to be able to provide value to their audience and it's all it goes back to intention for the small companies i believe because it's not about how can i expand exploit people and make money from them it's how can i exploit the situation in order to help people and that's the ones that really succeed so that's what gets me fired up when people like say that like people are being exploited during this pandemic like that really gets me fired up because at the end of the day money is all about like the money that you paid is directly correlated to the value that you are giving to people and if you are truly giving them value to improve their lives or improve their situation or whatever it is then you deserve to be paid for it it's not about exploitation it's providing value and if you can if you can you know if there's a consumer that wants to pay for that value then you absolutely deserve it so it really riles me up when people say like you know, people are exploiting people during this time. It's like, they're providing value. They've seen an opportunity. They have, you know, they, they can provide value and that value costs money. And it's given the small businesses the same pass that you would give the larger ones. You wouldn't mm-hmm. say, how dare Amazon show me that they have masks on at their store. No, yeah. they realize that even though there's a pandemic, even though there are things happening right now outside in the world, there are still people that have problems that need to be solved, right? There are still people, this pandemic isn't going to stop issues, other issues that were happening before the pandemic. So there are still Mm -hmm. ways that you can continue to serve. And it's a mindset thing, right? Knowing that it's an equal exchange. No one, listen, when somebody pays me for my services, they're not doing me a favor. I just need like, I, it's it's an equal exchange and it's having that confidence, but also having the understanding to know that 
yes, they're giving you money or yes, you're giving somebody money, but they're also giving you something like Sue said, back in exchange for that. It's a fair mm -hmm. deal, you know, just Absolutely. like you would turn money over to your supermarket because in exchange you're getting food i want you to understand that if you're going to the hairdresser or hairdressers maybe selling an e-course to teach you how to do your hair at home she's the he or he sees an opportunity because they're seeing that there are people home that want to solve this problem and fix their hair so they're yeah. selling a problem they're solving the problem and selling it so give them that same pass that you give the bigger companies so thank you for even bringing that yeah, up yeah i applaud all the creativity in the market right now honestly i have mm -hmm. seen so many small businesses and new businesses emerge with creative solutions i this is what entrepreneurship is about it's like the energy and the creativity it's an exciting time if you let it be it is it's beautiful to see it really is i have one final question because i've had you on here forever yeah. and i know i could talk i could talk to you all day i know i can and the one question i ask everyone that comes on this podcast is what does freedom mean to you Oh, that's an easy one. I say it all the time. Freedom is being able to do whatever I want, when I want, and with whom I want, with no financial limitations. I love say it to myself all the time. <laughs> yeah, love it. Seriously. I, I Yeah, that's, that's it. That's my one, too. So absolutely <laughs> love it. Thank you so much for hopping on, Sue. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Sue. And if you did, please take a screenshot and tag me over at Gainette on Instagram and tag Sue as well. She's on Instagram as Suzanne KJ Khan. And that's spelled Suzanne S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-K-J-K-H-A-N. -N -E and her business is Naked Zero Lifestyle. So Naked zero lifestyle on Instagram as well. I'll put all of this below in the show notes and I will speak with you next time. Okay. Okay. I see you freedom slayer. You stayed through to the end, which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag transparent AF. I appreciate you 